Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. I have such a fun show for you today with the fabulous Sass Jordan. This episode is really what I hoped all episodes would be like, a fun and casual conversation about life and the arts. It helped that I've known and worked with Sass for many years, so I was comfortable. With others, I'm still learning. I'm learning how to build a rapport so it becomes a conversation and less of a question and answer interview. I'll get there. Anyways, for those of you who do not know Sass Jordan, she is Canada's queen of rock. In her 30 years in the spotlight, she has gotten to work with many of her influences, including Aerosmith, The Rolling Stones, ACDC, Cheap Trick, Santana, Joe Cocker, Sticks, and countless others. She has won various awards, including Juno and Billboard, and has sold over a million records worldwide. She also had a short-lived acting career, playing Janis Joplin in the off-Broadway hit Love Janice, and as a featured character in the television series Sisters. She tells a hilarious story of how she auditioned for a role on a Die Hard movie and shocked everyone on the set by walking out, because she didn't want to die on screen. And she was one of the judges on Canadian Idol. We laughed a lot, and I'm sure you're going to be laughing a lot too, shaking your head sometimes, because sass is hilarious. Anyways, I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. <laughs> so I have a podcast now. I see that. I'm still doing publicity, but then I've also gotten into coaching artists. Coaching them to do what? Marketing and creativity, personal branding. Oh, that's great. That's great. Because a lot of people, you know, they're just about the music and they have no idea. Because now it's really up to the artists, isn't it? It's not, a, it's not like you, it's, it's being taken care of for you by like, you know, a big machine anymore. You have to be the machine. And so pod, the podcast is part of that, just to interview like thriving, successful artists on how you got there, any advice that you might have for new artists? You know, I, I don't know how relevant, well, we'll find out. I was going to say how relevant my experience is to anybody who's starting or, or new now because I didn't go through what they're going through, you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea. Completely exactly. different world. I, I just, I can't, I'll tell you, if, if I was starting today, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't care. I'm not, I, I'm just not that, you know, I love music. I love singing. I love performing, but I, all the other stuff, I just forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'd go into like, you know, self-help. <laughs> You're one of those artists. I just want to do the art. Uh, exact attack. Luckily, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and back then you could, I guess, cause you had other people to kind of take care of all that other stuff. Well, in the end, nobody can take care of it except you. That's the truth. But no one was telling me how to talk or how to be, as you can see from a lot of those stupid-ass interviews I did thousands of years ago. Um, maybe if someone had, that would have been a good thing, but I wouldn't have listened to them anyway, so there's that. But you're lucky in the sense that you've, you've been doing this for so long that you're kind of established at a certain level, and you can do your thing. It's not, first of all, it's not luck. <laughs> no, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, A, and B... I think you always, in this type of um, thing, as in anything which is, which is, you know, dependent on being popular or being, you know, current or what have you, like, let's say I was selling a shampoo, I could get that shampoo really great and happening and like the biggest thing in the world for a couple of years. And eventually, I'm either going to have to reinvent it 
right? Or it's just going to drop off because nobody, nothing stays new and exciting and fun. Nothing. Cars, doesn't matter what it is, whatever you're selling what in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially with art, everyone has such a short attention span now. Oh my God. I wouldn't say it's just art. I'd say it's everything. So you just have to really believe in what you're doing feel that you really have like in my case and with what I do I have to feel that I really have something to say and when I say say I don't necessarily mean with my voice per se I could also I, I also mean like you know with my energy or my vibe or my whatever I have something I have to feel like I have something to say otherwise I have zero motivation to get out there and do it so what are you working on now? Like what's happening? Right now, I'm in the middle of putting together this quote unquote blues record. I say quote unquote because, you know, that's such a vast uh, genre that just, it's like, what does that mean? It's like saying rock. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> but I'm doing that, which is really kind of, I because I resisted it for a long time. People would say to me, you know, why don't you make this blue? Why don't you make a blues record? Why don't you do that? And I was like, ah, what a, you know, just put me out to pasture. Why don't you? And then uh, I had like conversations with some people and we just, it just suddenly seemed like that could be a lot of fun. And so that's what I'm working on. Originals or covers? Mostly covers because there's some stuff that is so insanely cool and you don't realize how much of what you do comes from that. Do you know what I mean? So once you start digging into it, you're like, holy crap, this is the genesis of it. This was the genesis of, of, of this stuff that I do here and that I do there. And, you know, like, it's just, it's fascinating to me. So I'm excited about that. It inspired your music without you even Precisely, knowing it. Precisely. Exactly, Diane. And also through other, you know, through the people that, I was directly inspired by, they were listening to these people. You know, I mean, I, everybody eventually gets there, I think. You know, if, the, if they're music fans, they will. Yeah, yeah. And what, what, what songs are you, are you recording? I ain't telling you yet. Just because it's not finally for sure. And I don't want to go, because you know, with me, I run my mouth off constantly. I say, I'm doing this, I'm doing that before I'm actually bloody doing it. And then stuff changes and um, it's, you know, it's an issue. Not that anyone ever bloody listens to what you say anyway. <laughs> so I can't come back to you a year from now and go, why didn't you do that song? You said you were going to do that song. Because <laughs> people do. They do say stuff like that to you and you're like, what? What are you talking about? I don't remember that. <laughs> Because it was a passing thing, a fleeting thing. So that's something that maybe comes out like in a year or so. No, I want it to come out in September. So you're working on it now. That's, that's my it. plan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to record it in June. That's our plan. Hopefully it'll all come to fruition. It will. I'm just going to, I'll make it happen. I'm good at that. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's what we're going to do, baby. And then, you know, I got a bunch of shows and stuff. I have to go to, uh, the Netherlands in May, which I love. I love doing that. Got a, a five shows in the Netherlands. And uh, uh, like, it's, it's pretty intense. But there's also a lot of other things that I do that aren't necessarily related particularly directly to music, you know, like my wine and like my skin cream. And there's, you know, I'm working on my, my other thing that I don't want to talk about. I'm a lot of fun today, aren't I? <laughs> Okay, I heard about the wine, but skincare too. It's not skincare. It's a it's a cream that I yeah. that I um, concocted with someone who makes skin creams, and so she made this line for me. This particular, it's called Saskin Cream, which I and right now the only place you can get it. It's very very uh, grassroots kind of thing, you know. The only place you can get it right now is. Um, at H2O Float Spa on uh, the Danforth in Toronto. But I plan on getting it to pe more people. That's cool. I love it. What was the inspiration there? What made you want to do that? Um, 
You're like, I need a skin cream that does this. Uh, yes, exactly. I need one that I love and I don't know where to get that. And it just sort of metamorphoses from that. That's how usually things just drop into my mind when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Before I start the day, I'm just lying in bed just before I get up. Usually that's when I get the, my most fascinating to me ideas. <laughs> And none of the, oh, you can't do that part comes yeah. in right when you wake up. Because it's the, oh, you can't do that part that destroys you every time. Yeah. You know, and yeah. once you get into your ba- into your regular everyday thought stuff and routine and this and that, and, you know, that's when you start thinking of all the reasons you can't do something. And that yeah. is a big, fat mistake. A big mistake. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, I even read a study about it recently where you are the most creative in the morning. It's just your stream of consciousness when you first wake up that you... Really? Yeah, all the creativity. If you're working on creativity, do that first thing in the morning. And then do like the, you know, the stuff you don't want to do. The mundane, boring stuff, yeah. Later on. Yeah. (laughs) But the creativity is at its highest. I find that, except for if like I'm writing songs and stuff, then it can be any time of day. Yeah, but because then I I put that aside, and that's different to me because when you're writing a song, usually like in my case, not everybody else I've ever read says the same thing. I, of course, I thought it was original. Ha, 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 ha. You're never original, baby. Nobody is. But anyways, uh, I when I'm writing a song, I it usually it's almost like it downloads to me. I don't know how to explain that other than it's like you know the muses. It's like they whisper it in your ear and it sort of just, it just takes shape, right. you know? It just flows. Yeah. It's, it's the wildest. I love it. Do you write every day? Are you one of those kind of songwriters? God, no. No. I rarely write. I only write. I was just talking to Mark Jordan. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, that's so weird. We were just talking about him yesterday because we have the same accountant. And I oh, was yeah. at my accountant's office. <laughs> Oh, how weird is that? Okay. Yeah, two, two Jordans today. So you were just talking to him. Yeah. All about songwriting and how like he does it every single day. The songwriting process and where he gets ideas from and how he paints as well. And it was interesting. That's really cool. It, that's so different for me. I, I, I have no particular process. I just, when there's a song to be written, I go, right, there's a song to be written. What's the title? And I think of a title and then I go. But I always write with other people as well because I don't play an instrument. So I'll always be writing with like at least one other person. Actually, almost always only with one other person because I think it gets confusing when there's more than that. Two is enough for me. So it always starts with the song title? For the lyric, yes. Yes. Sorry, I'm trying to think of the last. But pretty much usually I'll write. Sorry, that's the geese. I'm I'm going, what on earth? <laughs> <laughs> it's not my stomach, it's the geese. <laughs> I hear oh, geese. Oh, yeah, because I'm standing outside, and the buggers, are, they're right in my backyard, and they're shrieking at each other. They're writing a song. Actually, they're writing a song as we speak. <laughs> it's like, hey, Sass is recording. Let's get in <laughs> Little on this. buggers. Sorry, I'll go inside. No, I, I I like the geese. It's all good. <laughs> so your songwriting process. Yeah, which is not a process, so to speak. Sometimes a lyric will come to me and I'll get the title from that. But most of the time, I I, I like to have a title. I like, I like to go, okay, I'm going to write a song about this. This is what I want to write about right now. Whatever is inspiring me at that moment. You know, and, and most of the time, Diane, it'll be the music. The music will inspire the lyric to me, you know, like the the chord progression. Music to me always tells a story, you know, that's what it does. And so then I'll just build the story type of thing from the music. I'd say that's my process, to be honest with you. That's a process. Yeah, definitely. I guess it is. Because some people hear music first and then they write the lyrics to that and some people do it the other way around a lot of people do it with with, where they hear the music first but not me so wine that's very exciting how on earth did that happen i want my own wine (laughs) i want a wine sponsor it's it's been such a 
an incredibly fun journey. It ha but the way it started with me was way back when I was doing the TV show, Canadian Idol, well, the production would serve wine in the green room, right? To all the people that, you know, all the guests and the VIPs and all that stuff. And one day at the hotel that I was staying at, I was in the restaurant before it opened and the sommelier, Mark, said to me, hey, Sass, you should just stick around for a minute because I, I got um, one of the winemakers from Niagara's coming in and he can tell you all about wine if you're interested in that. And this is like years ago, right? And I'm like, oh, that sounds fascinating. And that's how I met the extraordinary and incredible Brian Schmidt from Vineland Estates. And we hung out for about a half hour or so. And he was showing me his wine stuff, you know, et cetera. And I went back to the producers of Canadian Idol and said, listen, we're a Canadian production. Why don't we have a Canadian wine in the green room? And they were like, sure, that's a great idea. And so we started serving Vineland Estates wines. And that was how I forged the friendship with Brian. And all these years later, one day last year, I woke up in the morning and went, I need a wine. I want to make a wine. How the hell would I make a wine? I don't know how to make a wine. And so I talked to my manager about it. And I said, listen, let's make a wine. And he goes, I don't know how to do that either. That's not my <laughs> That's not my department. I've never done anything like that. I'm a, I'm a music guy. And I'm like, okay, well, I know what to do. Why don't we get a meeting with my friend Brian in Niagara and maybe he can point us in the right direction. Yeah. So that's what happened. We went down, we met with Brian. We're having lunch, you know, shooting the breeze, talking, having a blast. Uh, you know, he's showing us wines. We're drinking wine, yada, yada, yada. And finally, I remember the reason that we're there is to talk to him about who I would, how would I go about making a wine? And I said, Brian, listen, Brian, you know, how could I make a wine? This is why I'm here. I forgot to ask you that. And he goes, oh, don't worry about that. We're making your wine. And then he continues to talk about something else. Meanwhile, me and my manager, Peter, are looking at each other going, did he just, did he just say that? It, is this, did, is this earth? unbelievable i was so not expecting that i thought it was going to be a long hard road you know where i had to go meet with these people and i had to meet with those people and, and he just goes no we'll make your wine don't worry about that what and that my dear that's a exactly, deal. Let's go. and that's exactly <laughs> what happened and now i have a white and a red through vineland states called kick ass sass and uh it's almost sold the first run's almost sold out so we're heading into the second run and instead of making 200 cases this time we're making 500 cases so it's like woo. uh anyways i i yeah it's a blast i have had so much fun doing that i have to say it's just so interesting wow what a different kind of world they just don't do things the same way as we do like for example in in our business in the music world you put out a single or a record and if it doesn't do anything in the first two weeks you can pretty much kiss it goodbye do you know what i mean like in gen it's like all that work and all that money and it's just whoop, next do you know what i'm saying and in the wine world i've discovered I was treating it the same way. I was thinking, okay, okay, it's, it's, I got two weeks, I got two, you, you know, the usual kind of thing. And talking to Brian's like, what are you talking about? No, 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 that's no. You just it builds slowly, word of mouth. You don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what a fantastically, it's like a gift, you know, to experience something like that after having been in this business for so long, you know? Well, I guess also years ago, there was a lot more artist development and you didn't have to have that takeoff hit in the first week. <laughs> they actually, you know, gave you some time and you would sign a couple albums. Yes, deals exactly. Instead of you got one single, if it's not a hit. Exactly. You know, we and, and in those days, like all, you know, the nineties, which is when I was most active in, in the music business was 
you know, you'd put out a single and then it would go to the local promo reps and they'd try to get it on their local stations and the more ads you got and it would go over, you know, like a, a month, two months. It was like some, it was much, a much slower process. And also there was only that outlet really. I mean, there was no YouTube, there was no, you know, internet period really. I mean, 90s we, we didn't even have barely had cell phones in fact we didn't until the late 90s you know what i mean and then they were those big brick block things and anyway so it it uh it was just a whole different landscape i mean you know that was the only way to do it was through radio these days there's many more ways to do it but it because it's so much more diverse and so scattered it's hard to get any kind of momentum now you know so or it's more challenging to get any kind of momentum yeah and with and with the wine um so is it only available Correct. online yes now? it is yeah okay so then it'll take time before you know you'd be able to get it at the lcbo <laughs> is that kind of in the work it's not really because the lcbo is a whole different uh, that's a trying to think of a nice politically correct way of saying this it's just that's a whole other business it's yeah so i it's kind of like i'm trying to think it's like if you started a little it like a little skin cream let's say and you were just doing it grassroots and all of a sudden this big like l'oreal let's say comes along and goes we love what we're what you're doing we're gonna buy it from you right then they take that little skin cream you're no longer part of it but they take it into their whole system and their whole massive machine and they'll tweak it and they'll do this and they'll do that you know it's no longer yours it's out of your hands kind of thing um and with the lcbo you have to produce a certain amount of cases uh in order for them to carry it at all and then Niagara, VQA, Ontario, it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing. So it's, it's a, whole a whole other machine. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whole other thing. And so, you know, it, it has its advantages in that it makes it more available it, easier, but it makes it more difficult for, for you, the producer type of thing. So you got a blues album coming out. You got a wine. You got a skin cream. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm a, I'm a little bit the jack of all trades. Don't say master of none. <laughs> no, no. I've recently discovered I'm a multi potentialite, and uh, I it's love it. Where it used to be called, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but. To, to us, I'm like, but I'm really good at the things I do. Come on. <laughs> exactly. And that's all I just all have that a lot of passions. And I... Me you know, too. I feel the same You get a new idea. Way. You're like, oh my God, I want to do this. And then uh, yeah. all your effort into that. Ex exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in this day and age, it's, it's rare for people to stay in one job their whole life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just have fun. I admire people that did, though, because then you, you start to think, "Is there something wrong with me?" That you know, no, it's like there's nothing wrong with you. You have to someone that's always wanted to be a singer, and that's all they've done their whole life. Like, or I used to be a makeup artist, so makeup artist people that that's what they wanted to do their whole life, and they stuck with it, and they, you know, I feel I'm like, do I fear failure or something? I keep changing careers all the time. No. It's but no. now I know it's the way to be. It, 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 if that's what if that's what you want to do, I think in the in the end, it's more about what excites you, what you have fun doing. Um, really, why the hell are we on this earth? You know, you got to think about that too. You're not here just to to make money, unless that's what you want. You know what I'm saying? You're here to enjoy yourself and have fun and to inspire and to and to serve, you know, these are all massively important to me. And all the things that I do have a connection to one of those things that I just said, you know, or it's inspiring or it's fun or it makes money or it's, it's you know, it's serving or it's helping somebody else. Cause you know, in the end, 
helping somebody else makes you feel good. You know, that, and that is the key. You have to feel good. If you're going to help anyone else to feel good, you have to feel good in the first place. It's called authentic. Exactly. I figured out my, my purpose, my why is like everything I've ever done, even though I've changed it a lot, it's like, it's always been because I want to be around you crazy people. I want to be around performers and <laughs> I started as a photographer and I wanted to take pictures of, of performers and models and actors and then makeup artists, same thing. I was always doing videos and stuff. And then, so everything I've done has always been around yeah. performers and then so that coaching is I take all my experience everything I've ever done and I now I can coach artists through it and kind of help them navigate but see that's so brilliant because you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have all that other experience you know because it takes all yeah. those things that you just said and more to make a performer something you know, worth its salt. It really does. No, there's no performer that can do it by themselves that doesn't need all those things. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's fantastic that you did all that stuff. I think it, it was the same with me when I was starting out. All the things that I was interested in and got into, blah, 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 all really helped me to be the performer that I became, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the artist. Yeah, it all it all melds together. All it your does. influences, all your different interests and and directions that exactly. you go in. It all kind of melts exactly. together. Exactly. And so I always say never ever are wasting your time doing something. It doesn't matter what it is, like it really doesn't. Because it, it, it could keep it could be teaching you patience. It could be teaching you um you know, where to put the voice in your, in your throat or in your head or in your body when you're singing. It could be teaching you how to sell it. It could, you know, all these things. It, you know, I, I worked at McDonald's for two weeks in my life when I was 14. Two, two weeks? weeks? Baby, I couldn't, I could not hack it. I was like dying. And there was a week in between that I didn't, I, I worked there for a week, took a week off and uh, not uh, for whatever reason. I can't remember. I didn't take it off. And, they didn't need me for a week. And then I went back and did another week. And then I was like, and thank you so much. You can keep the gold watch. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it taught me, you know, working with the public directly, you know, yeah. in the being. What other jobs did you um, have before the big music career? Oh, gosh. Lord almighty. Let me think about that one because I don't remember. I, I think I. Oh, I, <laughs> I was, I tried <laughs> to be a waitress at, uh, that huge club in Montreal that is no longer, doesn't exist anymore. And I cannot, the spectrum, the spectrum in Montreal, which was oh, a yeah. massive show club bar, huge, um, and I ended up, you know, playing there many times, but be, way before that, I had tried to be, a, uh, like, you know, serving beer and booze to the audience. <laughs> I was so terrible at it. People would yell at me, why can't you remember my, my order? <laughs> I was too busy listening to whatever band was playing or what have you or singing songs in my head. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I did that. I think I worked in an office maybe for a month. I, oh, I worked at a, at a, a store that sold coffee. Like, um, and this was in the eighties. Like this is like 1980, maybe, I don't know, three or four. I worked, uh, selling coffee beans. This is before, you know, coffee was a thing. It was back yeah. in those days. And we sold all these exotic coffee beans and chocolate and, uh, it was like a, it was called Cafe Gourmet on Green Avenue in Montreal. And I learned so much there as well about, you know, coffee and stuff like that, which was really interesting. I knew more about that than anybody. So when the whole wave of coffee came in, I was like, yeah, well, I can tell you that espresso has less caffeine than Tim Horton's regular. I'm just saying, you know, like yeah. I knew all that stuff. <laughs> 
Uh, and then, oh gosh, I did a lot of the United States, lots of stuff that I can't think of right now. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were young, uh, what kind of music were you listening to? Um, well, I grew up in Montreal, as I said, so I was listening to, it's, you know, when I was young, I wasn't as discriminatory as I am now. I kind of liked everything. I liked everything. And I was open to a lot more stuff. I think I'm, I'm, coming full circle and I'm back to that now but I right. went through many years where I was like oh I'm not listening to that crap you know that kind of you know yeah. so but oh, I god what did I not listen to I listened to Shome FM which was the big radio station in the 70s in Montreal and they played everything uh and because it was Montreal like that's always been the home of prog rock or uh, you know, like there was a lot of Genesis and Gentle Giant and Super Tramp and stuff like that. But I mean, that is certainly not all I was listening to. I, I, I think I can't, if I, you know, we'd be here for the next two years if I gave you the list. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be Shaka Khan. That's who I wanted to be. I used to listen to Rufus featuring Shaka Khan, and I wanted to sing like her more than anything on earth. And how you hear me sing, is now is really sort of a combo of her uh, not that i can sing uh, in no way am i saying uh, it's a combo of me trying to sound like her with right. my white ass white girl voice and all the um wonderful wonderful white male rock singers that i adored such as um uh, Steve Perry, Robin Zander, Steven Tyler, uh, my all-time favorite of them all, Paul Rogers from Bad Company, um, Robert Palmer. Uh, like I, those were the people, uh, David Bowie. Those are the people yeah. I really wanted to sound like. I would have loved to have been Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull, but it just wasn't happening. Just like it wasn't happening with Chaka Khan. I couldn't do it to save my life. But I tried, and there's stuff I do that, you know, came from me trying to sound like her. <laughs> and I didn't end up sounding like her. I ended up sounding like me, which is good. It's good. Yeah, which is that's good. good. Yeah. yeah. So how, how old were you when you were starting to, like, sing and, and write songs mm. and get into music? Well, when I was... Ten, nine or ten, because we lived in India for a year. From my when I was eight, I had my ninth birthday. So I have to say this: before the age of nine or ten, I was had zero exposure to pop, what is called popular music, pop music of any kind, because it was the sixties. I grew up in the sixties. I was a teenager in the 70s, right? And it was a completely different world. My parents are British immigrants, and they uh, listened exclusively to classical music. They did not listen to any kind of popular music. very first song I ever remember hearing, as far as pop music is concerned, was a song by Petula Clark called Downtown. I remember that song. And then... Uh, when I, my brother and I, one afternoon, were in the apartment where we lived, and we were listening, and the radio was on, classical music playing as usual, and he and I discovered that you could change the dial, and this whole new world suddenly happened. Oh, wow. And the very first song that I ever heard, aside from that Petula Clark song, was The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down by the band. And I, we were transfixed. My brother and I were just absolutely couldn't even speak. We were just like, <gasps> like that. And my mother told me that she had, when she came home, she had been at the grocery store. She had come home from with the groceries. And she said, I came flying towards her. And I said, mom, mom, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I want to do. 
So I would say from the age of, let's say, 10, 9, 10, I knew exactly what I was going to do. That's what I wanted to do. Nothing else interested me. And I mean nothing. I am a high school dropout. Wow. I have zero education, so to speak, uh, you know, like in, in the standard uh, way of it. I, I just all, I was consumed by music. Consumed. Wow. That's from that one from song. From that one song. Turning yeah, the radio. I just knew. That's it. That's wow. it. And it never, and it just went from there. And I always knew I was like, I am going to be somebody that all these people that I love know. They've, they're all going to hear of me. I'm going to work with them. And I bloody right. well did every single one of them. Uh, insane. Wow. Insane. Yeah. It was like, wow. So how, how did you do it? Like, how, like, did you take any lessons no. or just taught yourself? Yes. Totally. Totally yeah. self-taught. Uh, I, I tried to take um, singing lessons uh, two or three times when I was in my later teens, I guess. I, you know what? I don't even remember. And I, every single time I'd go and they would say to me, if you sing the way you sing and continue to sing the way you sing, you're going to lose your voice. You're never going to be able to sing again. And I was like, oh, yeah, F you. And that was the end of that. <laughs> and I just, I figured it out. And then in the early 2000s, like 2002, 2002, I was doing this off-Broadway show in New York. And it was a Janice, it was a, a play about Janis Joplin. And I had to sing 19 Janis Joplin songs a night. Now, I'd never been a fan of Janis Joplin up in, and still not particularly a huge fan, but I admire her and respect her now. But I hated her before this show. I didn't even want to do this show. It was that was a whole that's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was an accident. I didn't think I was gonna get the part, for God's sake. Anyways, I did by accident and I didn't want it. But you can belt like her. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm she was had a much higher, higher pitch. But anyways, yeah, uh -huh. and so I was unable to sustain that type of intensity for two and a half hours. Um, and I had to find somebody to show me how to sing in a way that I could do it. And I got hooked up with this extraordinary vocal coach, Don Lawrence, who worked with like um, Bono and Mick Jagger. And now he's Lady Gaga's guy. But um, oh, yeah. so that's, and he taught me, he taught me how to sing. Like, where I did not lose my style or my voice at all, but I, I learned how to, to be able to sustain my, my vocal cords like for five nights in a row or what have you. Yeah. So that was a huge big deal for me. Now, if I'd had a coach like that back in the day, it would have been different, you know, but it wasn't until the early two thousands that I found somebody. Did you ever have a like a vocal scare? Oh God, like, oh. yes, a hundred million times. Like, oh my God, I'm no, gonna lose my I voice. Like those... I've been unable to squeak a it. note out. I don't know how in God's name I pulled off some of those shows. I really don't. But I, I think that was also. I remember one night in San Francisco. I had literally, I could barely talk. I sounded like this. Can you imagine singing like that? And my songs. My songs are yeah. flipping hard to sing properly. Even I, I mean, I have yeah. trouble with them. I'm like, for God's sake, you idiot. Why'd you write this crap? Anyways, so <laughs> I had to do the show. The whole, the record company people were there. There were all kinds of people there that I was just like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Anyways, I squeaked my way through the show, but I did this intense I don't know what I did, Diane. I, like acting job. And I swear to you, they all come back after the show and they're like, Jesus, I never heard you sing so good in my life. I, you thought it was amazing. I, I'm like, I couldn't sing an effing note, not one note. And I guess it was just the intensity of the energy that I was putting yeah. out that they it didn't even notice. They didn't notice. I'm like, so basically nobody ever listens to a goddamn note I sang. Clearly, I was I was disturbed and yet happy at the same time. Interesting combo of emotions. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, it was the strangest thing. So I've had many, many nights. I still have nights where I can't really sing, you know, but what are you going to do? You just, yeah. The show must go on. The show must go on. Yeah. So, yeah, because people pay what money. The, what are the tricks? Um, Teeth? No, there's no trick on <laughs> earth that will work when your voice is shot. There's no trick. So what you've right. got to do is you got to find. So when you sing a song, you have a muscle map around that song it's like muscle memory you know where your throat and the feeling in your voice uh, throat is going to be when you sing the, those notes in that song and you know oh, this is i've never articulated this before so this is bear with me uh how do i even say that i don't know how to say it because i never thought about it this hard <laughs> you just <laughs> uh, it, it, it's like a feeling in your throat and diaphragm it's fed by your emotion, but it has to come through a physical vehicle, which is your body. So you have the emotion. The emotion's there. Now you have to find the way to uh, get the physical machine to interpret it. <laughs> Hope I'm not making this sound too ridiculous. But anyways, and there's a map that you just automatically do. It's like a, it's like a habit. You know where it goes. and then on a, if there's a night where you cannot sing the way you normally do, you have to find other notes and other ways to get the machine to express. <laughs> I'm making no sense at all. Trying to, okay. Yeah, yeah right. So you have to find, you have to find a new, you have to find new paths through the song. It's it's very, very right. challenging. And for somebody like me, I don't tour per se these days that much. So I don't generally have a bunch of shows in a row. Um, if, I ha if I was playing every week, I would be in much better shape, much, because it's an athlete. You know, you're your voice is athletic. Right. It's it has a it needs to be in shape. I do my I do vocal exercises every day pretty much. You know, I do my 20 minutes every day, which is very helpful, but it's not the same thing as doing an entire show because when you're doing a show, you're also moving around a lot. In my case, I, I move a lot. There's a lot of intensity and a lot of energy that flows through you. Um, and you know, your voice has to get back into the, into the groove. For example, this summer I have, a sh I have shows every week in August and it's all over the country. So I got to go for like, let's say yeah. Halifax to Vancouver and also flying and not sleeping. Those two things are bad each on their own, but you mix the two together, no sleep and flying. That is brutal yeah. on a voice, brutal, you know, but you just got to find a way. Yes. Tease help and not talking or laughing or having any goddamn fun whatsoever helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw that like Celine Dion, she doesn't actually talk the whole day uh, when she yeah, has a show. She's, but you know, she's like a, she's like a, she's a, like a princess of it. I mean, she, you know, I'm not that kind of singer at all, but. Yeah, but her whole thing I cannot her sing voice. like Celine Dion, but Celine Dion can't sing like me either. So it's like it's just a whole different no. world. Yeah, like if I was her, I'd do the same. Probably thing. hear you and go. I'm no, not, I'm not doing that. that. She sounds like a you know like a truck ran through her chords. Yeah. <laughs> but I, she's brilliant. I think she's brilliant. Yeah, she's, she's brilliant. but it's just so different. You know, it's it's, it's what I do is really hard it's actually not easy i've had a bunch of people who are in the um like you know uh like an aussie but my aussie pal said to me once he goes most people couldn't last more than five minutes doing what you do singing how you sing he says most people couldn't do it yeah he says it's because you've been doing it your whole life that you're still able to do it <laughs> He said, "Cause it, yeah. it's 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 extremely intense, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, other than that, uh, it's also a lot of fun, and you get a lot of energy 
from an audience. That's what makes it new and interesting every night. Because let me tell you, the songs aren't. You're singing the same damn songs you've been singing for the past 20, 30 years. It's like, <laughs> is this over yet? But it doesn't feel like that with an audience. When yeah. you're rehearsing. Did you feel exactly? Energy? Yes. Like they love yes. that song and they want to hear yes. that song, whether you like it exactly. or not. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's really where the joy comes because you know it's like i, I can't stand rehearsing because <laughs> i'm like if i have to sing this song one more time and my guitar player goes yeah it sucks having a hit doesn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> or he laughs you. at me all the time <laughs> and then i go oh, shut up you bastard you're right <laughs> yeah anyway what what are the songs that you you're kind of like oh my god do I got to do this <laughs> pretty much most of them you know I've been singing that yeah because oh. the thing is I, well in rehearsal not live not live it's it's fine yeah. um you know I mean I'm the songs that you're known the songs that I'm known for I wrote like in you know 1989 or like so hard you know I, that was on my first record that came out in 1989 you know, and then and yeah. then all the stuff on uh, Racine came out in 1992, and Rats 1993. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's a yeah, it's a hot minute ago. Yeah, that's a hot minute ago. Different influences, exactly, I assume now. Exactly, but you know, people want to hear the songs they know. Why else would they? You know, that's why they like it. It's the songs that they grew up yeah. with, or that they listen. You know, and I completely hear that. I mean, I don't want to go and see a band I love and not hear one of my songs, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah that's that's my song. I used to listen to that when I was, you know, when I was ten. I mean, God damn it, I want to hear that song. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what what inspired your songwriting back then, and then mm. what inspires your songwriting now? Still the same thing. It's always the music itself. So, and also human relationships. That's I'm gonna. I'll tell you, but I, I always feel funny saying this, but I say human relationships, also human relationships with, uh, I'm not going to use that God word. I'm going to use the word that which is greater than yourself. Like, what, what the hell are you doing here? A lot of my songs, a lot of them are about... Uh, my relationship with a higher being, I don't know what to say, you know, whatever it is that created us. Yeah. Right. And, but they're disguised as like, you know, boy, girl songs or, you know, love songs per se, you know, I think there's a lot of songs like that. I, find, I, I get the feeling that a lot of that, is happening in the U2 songs, for example. It sounds like a lot of that sounds... But, you know, who wants to hear songs about, you know, that? People are more concerned with their relationships with other people, you know, and I... I, I some of my stuff's about that, for, for sure. But some of it... Can, right. Actually, all of it is, but you can construe it to, in more ways than one. And a lot of times I've been inspired more about, you know, like it's your relationship with yourself, with the, the part of you that's greater than your ego identity. Yeah. Right. And that's sometimes what makes a great song is that people, everyone has their different experience with it and they kind of ha put a different meaning on it. Yeah. Which might be completely different than how you yeah I, I would say that's always the case not sometimes yeah. it's always the case except for maybe you know relax don't do it <laughs> 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 or push push in the bush <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are a little bit less uh, you know esoteric shall we say <laughs> Yeah, but equally important in their own way. Yeah. What, what are uh, what's a couple of your favorite songs that you've ever done? That I've ever done? Yeah. <sighs> uh, we've talked about what you're sick of, which yes. is all of them. So maybe <laughs> do you? <know> all of them? 
<laughs> doesn't sound good, does it? Oh my goodness! Oh, okay, Diane. Here's the thing: is they've all been my favorite. You know, they're like my kids. Yeah, they're like my children. You know, and and to this day, I find you know amazing things in some of them. It's it, it it also has a lot to. Oh, it's not only just the audience; it's also the band and and, and the energy with it with, within our collective as a band, you know. And like, let's say somebody plays an insane solo, or or the bass player plays like a run that I'm like, dude, that rocked. You know what I mean? And that yeah. happens all the time with my band, the Champagne Hookers. So. Is yes, I named them that Lovely. one night last summer when we were going to the stage, and there was the announcer said, "You know, what? How shall I introduce the band?" And I said, "Just say Sash Jordan and the Champagne Hookers." And the band looked at me and they went, "We love that name." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, fucking hey, okay. Well, then that's what we're gonna call you." Anyways, yeah, I love that name too. And I assume it's a bunch of it's, dudes. It is actually, but it wouldn't matter. So they're okay being called that. If it was a woman, we'd be like, don't dare call me that. <laughs> nah, the women I would, nah, any women that would be in my band wouldn't have a problem with it at all. <laughs> They'd yeah. be like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, you see, I am not a very serious, I don't like to take myself too seriously or anyone else while we're yeah. at it. You know, because I mean, you know, you're going to die. So there's the bottom line. So get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I can go off on a tangent. Sorry, honey. All oh, right. Good. I like tangent. It's fantastic. Um, so you had an album, I guess, last year where you redid yeah. your old Racing songs. Revisited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. fun. It was just because we needed like? to do something to um, celebrate the 25th anniversary and it was like i don't want to do a remaster or you know the kind of the usual kind of stuff and so peter my manager said listen why don't you just re-record it like why don't we just you know because the thing is is that the songs themselves that record was written in 1991 and was released in 1992 you know like a lot of it was written in 91 and so over the years, the songs have grown and matured through being played continuously live, you know. So when you do a song live, you have to sometimes adapt it to that uh, context, to a live context. You can't do the same thing you did uh, on a recording. So some of them have morphed into versions that I far prefer and they just work better and they sound better. And that is what we did on the re-recording of the Racing Revisited. Uh, some of them are pretty much the exact same and some of them are, you know, the live versions that we've been doing for years now. And so it's different. It's, it's the same enough to not make you go, oh, this isn't my, the record I loved, you know. But it's different enough yeah, to give, make yeah. you go, okay, I want to own that one too, because this is like really cool. It's got different, you know, different versions. Not that different, but different enough. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, that was a real blast. And also getting to record it all together, the band all together. We all lived together at the studio outside of uh, Calgary in Alberta. And, you know, we just worked from morning till night all together all together now which is how i would have liked to that's how ideally i would like to record everything i ever do but time money schedules etc does not generally permit that to happen you know so it was a yeah. real treat to get to do it that way which is how i would have liked to have done the original version you know the original recording I, it was not that far off i mean we worked at one about three different studios in Los Angeles when we were recording Racine, the original. You know, but I wanted to do it as if we were in the 70s and all living, you know, living together at a ranch, man. You know, like the Bonnie Ray yeah. records. Like a jam yeah, session. exactly. And so we did. And it, it's wonderful and I love the way it turned out. And, but that's why I did it. It was because it was the 25th anniversary. Yeah. Horror did, of horrors. Did any songs 
strike you as a new inspiration for you? Uh, Do they mean something different to you now than um, they did then? Uh, sorry, long pause while I think about that. Never thought about it. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Same yeah. Way. Yeah. Weird. Wow. I really have to think about that more, but you know, I pretty much I can't think of anything. Nothing stands out to me. Let's say that, yeah. So you've done some acting. Oh yeah. Is that was that mm. was just a period of time where you were no, into it, or do it, you still? It's, want to do it? I'm not into acting per se. I'm not an actor per se, but you know, right. um, the reason I did it was because I was asked to do it. And I thought, wow, that'd be fun. I've never done that. And so I will always do it if it sounds fun. Anything you say, you ask me to do that sounds fun and I have the time or you're offering me a lot of money, I'll do it. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, like exactly. It's, it's, it, that's, <laughs> and that is how all of those things happen. Like I did this television show, which was a huge show in the early 90s. It was like a, a nighttime soap kind of thing. It was called Sisters. Yeah. It was called Sisters. And is that the one with the yes, Seal Award? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love that see, show. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I yeah. loved it. And <laughs> I had to audition to do it. They auditioned 200 people to do it. And wow. I had no experience, had no idea what the hell I was doing. I didn't like have a clue at all, like zero. And I'm like, why did you guys pick me? Like, why the hell did you pick me? I was like, and they said, it was really interesting to me what they said. They go, this is television. And, you know, it's not like you're going to be, they said, it's an energy. That's what they said. They said, we can, we can coach you through every line. It's not going to be a problem. Um, and we can tell you where to stand and how to work, you know, all that stuff. That's not going to be a problem. It's the energy that comes through the camera. Uh, that's what we were looking for. And that's why we picked you. Isn't that right. interesting? I was yeah. like, wow. That's but then cool. all the actors on the show, Seal Award, and th th she said to me, um, you know, you really could be an actress if you wanted to. You know, you could, I'll get you in touch with my coach. And, you know, because you're really good at, like, this is like, you're natural at this. And I'm like, <laughs> No thanks. <laughs> Way no. too hard. Thank you. No thanks. I'm gonna <laughs> stick with the singing. That's hard enough, baby. And so yeah. <laughs> I say hard. I mean, <laughs> but you know, it was like it didn't make any sense. Oh, and I auditioned. Oh, I auditioned for. Do you remember that movie uh, franchise called Die Hard with Bruce Willis? Yeah. <laughs> Never seen them. I'm one of those Neither people. Never I, saw it. But you've heard of them. Right? Okay, <laughs> I've yeah, definitely heard of them because usually I usually shock people when I say I've never saw it. They're like, "What?" <laughs> no, I'm the exact same. I've never seen a single one of them, and I never will. Um, but no. I auditioned. They flew me from Vegas to New York to audition for one of them. I don't know which one, which whatever. Anyways, it was already a huge franchise, and. I had to meet with the director. They wanted, so that the part that they had wanted me to audition for was uh, the part of a terrorist, some kind of t Russian terrorist or something. <laughs> I didn't have to say a word. There was no dialogue, but you know, anyways, Jesus. I'm trying to picture you oh as a Russian God. terrorist. Well, you know, if you're an actor, you could. I just picture you okay, laughing. Exactly. I was going to say, if you were an actor, maybe you could do it, but I'm not. I'm just saying. Anyways, they flew me. I mean, hey, I was like, okay, you can fly me and my boyfriend. They said, sure, no problem. I said, first class. They go, no problem. And I said, and I need a nice hotel. No problem. I'm like, dude, I'm in. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, so they do this. They take me to the set. No, or whatever. I don't know where the hell to, to go meet with the, this director. And I cannot figure out for the life of me why everybody's creeping around and talking in whispers. And they're like, you know. This guy's like, you know, Jesus Christ on the set, this director. But to me, because I don't come from this world, I have no idea who he is, nor do I care, right? right. To me, he's just a dude. He's a guy, whatever. Yeah. Which precisely is exactly what he is. But because 
everybody who's working on it, you know, like depending on him for their job, it said, I mean, I get it. I get it. I understand why everybody was in complete, like, oh, you know, you don't want to upset the guy or whatever. But I'm like, anyway, I go in and meet this guy. He looks like a, you know, ordinary guy to me. And, and I said, listen, before we get started, I just want to say this. Do I have to die on screen in this movie? And the guy goes, he's like looking at me like, what the, who the hell is this chick? And he goes, yeah. And I went, okay, I don't want to do it. I'm not doing that. I, that creeps me out. I said, that's just too weird. I can't do that. <laughs> what an arrogant little sow. But I had no idea. I, I wasn't doing it to be arrogant. I was just, it just horrified me, the thought that I'd have to watch myself dying on a screen. If you, if this happened now, I would have no problem with it. I'm just saying. But at that time, it grossed. I was like, I don't know. I can't do that. And he just, They're the like, whole um, no, place, acting is not for you. <laughs> the whole place is looking at me like, are you out of your cotton picking skull? Oh my goodness gracious <laughs> me. Needless to say, I didn't get the part, but I also no. didn't want it. I was like, free trip to New York. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's the kind of weird, silly business I've been involved in in my life. Seriously, what a turkey! Is there anything that you haven't done that you still want? I just to do? thought it was named. Oh, oh my God! I, I, the, the, we'd be here till um, the middle of forever if I was to list to you the things I want to do that I haven't done. <laughs> I'm like you. I'm like, there's a million things and it'll be a different thing tomorrow and <laughs> more new things. Yes. Uh, no, you and I are definitely on the same page. And I'll never, ever have enough time in this lifetime to do all the things that I want to do. I just have to keep prioritizing every day. And the priorities change because something else happens and then something else. You know what I mean? No, this is endlessly fascinating to me i love yeah, life I, I love I, i'm learning prioritizing now too because i when you do have the multiple have interests and things you, i can go in a million different directions and forget what i was supposed to be doing i have the same <laughs> tendency yeah what day is your birthday so i'm a sagittarius december 5th <laughs> okay stop right there it's the five you see the fifth right there it's yeah. your five you're born on a five day no wonder you're like that. <laughs> Guess what? I am also born on a five day. <laughs> 23 is a five day. So that is, that's, it's obvious that we are fascinated by everything. Anything. What month? What month? December. Is December. Oh, yeah. I'm December 23. Yeah. yeah. But that's so yeah, a five day not, as well. That's not still Sag. No, it's, it, gone. it's yeah. Capricorn, but I have Sagittarius rising. So, oh, you know, yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I see some similarities oh, with yeah. us. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> For sure. So do I do this? Yes, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Is it does it sound fun? I'm in. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my mandate. Have fun in life. Period. Because you're not getting out alive. That's it. <laughs> it is very fun talking to you. <laughs> Oh, you, thank you. I'm so glad. Yay. Where can people find you online? Just my name, sasha.com. So the one question I ask mm -hmm. everyone is, what is your why? My why? Well, see, I yeah. would answer that very, very eloquently if I had the faintest fucking idea what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. My why? I did an episode for people like you. I did an episode. My why? All about finding your What's why. My why? Um, what is, you mean the letter? Some why? people know, some people have no clue. I have no clue. No. It's um, oh, you mean the reason to be? So, Simon's the reason to be? Yeah, like what why do you do what you do? What motivates you to continue doing it? What what is your See, why? I think I've answered that about 18 <laughs> times already in the podcast, which is there's two words for that. And one is fun and the other is love. Yeah. Everything, Everything that, that's else is nearly transient to me. That It's like fun and love, joy. That's, that's the only reason I do anything, anything, anything. That's the only reason I'm alive. Love and joy and laughter. 
fun, fun. And well, for, to me, laughter fun, falls under uh, fun, yeah, as does music, as does, you know, and I mean, uh, all these things are just a glorious gift. Life is such so much fun. Yes, it's challenging and difficult and all those things too. But, you know, when you look back on those things, you go, well, usually, you know, I'm glad that happened. I'm glad I I lived through it because you wouldn't be looking back on them if you didn't live through it, would you? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Inspiring other people also. I mean, that's like such a huge, big, hairy ass deal for me. I love that. I love that. But all that I do is geared in that way anyway. Like I always, that's, that's my, Mm, I don't like the word motivation. It makes it sound so. That's, you know, that's another. There's my why. Yeah. Inspire others and to have fun doing it. Like you want your music to inspire others. You want your wine to inspire others. (laughs) I want my existence to inspire inspire others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't care what happens once I'm dead. I could give to, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if my name lasts one second longer than I do. I just don't care. Yeah. It's so irrelevant to me. I'm not interested in a legacy or legend or any. I could care less because I'm not going to be here to, you know, reap the benefits of that. So who gives a? Eh. Yeah. Are you a live in the moment kind of person? A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much. Okay, my darling. Well, this is awesome. And thank you so much for your patience. You've been absolutely wonderful. Well, wasn't that a fun episode? I hope you enjoyed it. So for detailed show notes and eventually a transcript, I'm so behind on transcripts. I'll get there, but yeah, it'll be a while. So anyways, um, eventually a transcript at dianefoy.com slash 013. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 